This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast on Friday, September the 2nd. I'm Jamie Long. And first today, a man's died after a crash on the A2 in Dover. Our reporter Lucy Hickmott has the details. What do we know? Well, police and paramedics were called to Jubilee Way when a taxi and Range Rover collided just before one o'clock this morning. The road was closed in both directions between the A20 at the Eastern Docks roundabout and the A258 Deal roundabout. Sadly, a man in his 50s sustained serious injuries and was confirmed dead at the scene. A further three people were taken to a local hospital with minor injuries. Meanwhile, a 20-year-old man's been arrested on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving and taken into custody. Lucy, thank you. Next, a fed-up resident has painted double yellow lines on the road at a dangerous junction in Warmer. People living at Downlands say parked cars make it difficult to see when turning the corner. The council say the yellow lines are not authorised and they're arranging for it to be looked into. The Kent man who murdered Sarah Everard has appeared in court to face two new charges of indecent exposure. The offences are said to have happened in Dover and Dill in 2015 and 2020. 49-year-old Wayne Cousins, who's already serving a whole-life sentence, didn't give any indication of how he'll plead. The former Met police officer is due at the Old Bailey next month. Kent Online News. Next, a cafe owner from Hythe says she has no idea what she's going to do as energy bills are becoming unaffordable. Nicola Robinson owns the Nutmeg Cafe and says her renewal price is shocking. I've had the cafe 14 years um, and gradually over the years it's gone up. It's currently between £650 and £700 a month. I thought I needed to, you know, to find out. I knew it was going to go up. Obviously, it's been all over the the news, Um, but mainly about domestic. And I, you know, I just thought, right, okay, I'll prepare myself. It's going to renew um, mid-November. The cheapest quote on the market today, um, and that will be subject to various checks, um, was going to be £34,000 for the year. which equates to £2,900 odd a month. How does it make you feel, you know, heading forward to November, thinking about what you can possibly do when that time comes? It's, it's just so difficult. I feel really upset about it because I've just managed to get through several years of COVID, all the lockdown restrictions, hospitality was hit so hard during that period. Um, there was times when, you know, shops were allowed to open, but we weren't. People were told to stay away. Um, so I'm already behind with my rent because of lockdown. I had no help at all from my landlord during that period, um, which a lot of small businesses didn't have. Obviously, the only thing that kept me going was the government grant during that period. Um, but I am running behind still. This summer hasn't been as good as usual, my trade. And I think people are scared to spend money. 
Um, the hot weather has, you know, people are going to the beaches, people are going abroad for the first time. So it's not been the best summer as well. Um, and I'm, I literally don't know what to do. I mean, I, my worst case scenario would be to stop doing hot food because it's the kitchen with all the appliances that's costing me the money. You know, I have various grills, Hobbs griddles, panini grills. You know, there's a lot of equipment out there. I'm a, I'm a high um, user because of the nature of the business. So, um, I mean, that's literally my first fault. I spoke to my manager yesterday and we're like, wow, what are we going to do? I do feel like it's almost this critical situation again that I was put in when we went into lockdown. Meanwhile, there's a warning schools in Kent might have to cut staff numbers to deal with soaring energy bills. As the new term starts to get underway, we're told some are considering not replacing teaching assistants who leave as a way of saving money. Mike Waters is chair of the Kent Association of Head Teachers. I think we are all waiting to see just what the magnitude of the, the, the challenge is. But at the end of last academic year, it was clear that um, budgets having been set, uh, the increase in fuel bills allied to um, increasing teacher salaries, which fully in favour of, but which there's no extra funding for, um, a likely increase in support staff salaries being needed to, to be able to recruit colleagues, increases in food costs, all of those things together are going to make it extremely difficult for schools to um, run an in-year uh, surplus budget this year. And many, many schools will either go into deficit or will be dipping into their reserves. Uh, that's the financial consequences of it. Um, you know, are there steps that schools are taking already to try and limit the impact? I mean, I've heard about dimmer switches being put on lights, you know, heat, heating maybe not put on at, uh, for the same length of time. Yes, uh, I think so. I mean, I think everybody's trying to um, make whatever small um, savings they can. Uh, I mean, you can imagine that in the sense of uh, you know, managing even a, a you know, reasonably small primary school, um, that is relatively a drop in the ocean um, when you're looking at a two or three hundred percent increase in your uh, your fuel fuel bills. But that's not to say that we we, we shouldn't try to to do those sorts of things. Uh, frankly, I think schools are going to have to probably m make more difficult decisions than that. Um, one would like to think we're not going to get to the point where schools are going to have to restructure and make uh, people redundant. No head teacher or governing body ever wants to do that. But certainly at the moment, I think we're already in the position where schools are going to run with vacancies. They won't replace leaving staff as a way of, uh, of trying to make ends meet this year. Uh, and we may see more radical solutions in due course. I'm not one who's naturally an alarmist, um, but I think we all know the next few months are going to be really challenging. Uh, and I've read that... Uh schools uh, are not uh, mitigated by the cap I and mean, mitigated is probably the wrong word given the increase is, is that correct and does, does that add to the pressure yes that is correct uh, i mean m many schools uh, it's the luck of the draw really some schools will have got themselves into a three or five year contract with fixed terms um, before this energy crisis hit us um, others may find that their contracts such contracts have, have come to an end or are coming to an end uh, and then that they will have to renegotiate new deals. And the figure I mentioned is the sorts of uh, increases we're looking at, 100%, um, 150%, 200% increases. Um, and for a medium-sized secondary school of about 1,000 pupils, um, that sort of increase uh, is probably going to be in the region of £100,000 a year.
Um, so it's a very substantial amount of money. Kent's mum is on a mission to raise awareness of food allergies following the death of her nine-year-old daughter. Ishmael's been speaking to Sadie's mum, Claire Bristow. Sadie had severe allergies to certain foods. Um, she had asthma and eczema as well. But four years ago, um, she died from an anaphylactic reaction. And um, we don't know what caused it, but probably a, a number of different factors came into into play that day and um, she'd consumed some food we bought and other things that may have made the reaction a little bit more severe. It's a minefield for most parents. Um, I've got a five-year-old uh, also with severe allergies and her allergies are different so she's allergic to sesame, egg, dairy, peanuts and some other tree nuts. So I'm quite used to reading the back of packaging on things um, but it's a little bit different now because I'm I'm looking for more of those allergens so yeah it's really difficult not just um, going to the supermarket but making sure she's safe in school and going out on a little trip even if it's just to the beach you know it's been gorgeous this summer but just going to the beach can be tricky because you can't just go into a cafe or have a lollipop or an ice cream and you see all the kids eating them. So yeah, it takes um takes a lot of organization and quite a lot of anxiety sometimes. And and you mentioned it being a minefield. Um can you just explain what 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 it is that you mean by that exactly? I mean when is it just that it's not clearly labeled the the types of um you know the ingredients, the content? That's definitely an aspect of it being um very difficult to navigate. I mean what does may contain mean? It may have traces of, I mean, unless you call up that factory where it was made to get their manufacturing processes and what procedures they have in place. Generally, if you've got a child with severe allergies, you're going to avoid that food. But um, imagine most of the packaging that you see on a supermarket shelf in the free from aisle, most of it has it on there to some degree. So that can be a minefield, yes. And do you also worry about gaps in information as well? Definitely. Um, I think most professionals, medical professionals will agree that there is a lack of consistent information um, in each of those settings, whether it be a GP or a nurse or a hospital. So and the, there is a recent report that's been um, published that says exactly that, that there is an inconsistency at the moment in the services that are available. For other people, I mean, there's always going to be until laws are changed and until businesses embrace having allergens on menus and being a bit more um, educated themselves, being consistent with their own training. There's always going to be a sense, I think, with people who've got an allergy that they're not 100% not at risk. But what would be really great is if they could go into places and feel at least 60% sure that they feel confident in asking those questions and 80% sure that the information that they've been given is accurate. And, you know, then it's their choice whether they, you know, want to take and eat that food. Um, do they feel comfortable enough to do that? And we should be able to do that. Why should we be excluded? It's not a choice it can be life-threatening and nobody um, wants to go out and feel excluded in that way.
Well, she's running an event in Chartham on the 24th of September to try and raise awareness. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A report raised concerns about how easy it is to get hold of drugs, mobile phones and tobacco at Rochester Prison. The Independent Monitoring Board says the availability of contraband has reduced because of improved searching, but the open location of the jail means items can be thrown over the walls. Covid restrictions have also had an impact on inmates' mental health, but overall it continues to provide a safe and decent environment. Elsewhere, there could soon be an extra 400 prisoners on the Isle of Sheppey. Plans to expand HMP Elmley and Stanford's Hill have both been given the go-ahead. Concerns have been raised about the increase in traffic on local roads, but bosses say most journeys will take place outside of peak hours. Kent Online News. Now, the Operation Brock contraflow systems being removed on the M20 this weekend. We've been chatting to Toby Howell from the Kent Resilience Forum about why it was implemented over the summer and why it's now being removed. The purpose of um, Brock is to be able to control the flow of HGVs if there are delays either at Eurotunnel or Port of Dover. So the last thing we'd want is all of those lorries continuing down the M20, joining the back of a queue, um, for example, at Folkestone, which then causes gridlock around that area. Or if the the problem is at Eurotunnel, they'll back out onto the motorway, causing a safety concern. So, yes, in that respect, Brock has been a success because it's enabled us to control that flow um, the majority of the time when it's been sort of busy either at Eurotunnel or the Port of Dover. And what exactly would road users have faced if Operation Brock wasn't in place throughout the summer? So, for example, if the problem had been down at the Port of Dover um, and TAP had been implemented where lorries are held prior to Dover between Folkestone and Dover, if TAP exceeds its capacity, it means that the tunnels, the Roundhill tunnels at Folkestone have to be closed. And so you have huge queues around Folkestone and Hawkinge, as sadly was experienced back um, in July. So if that freight had continued down there, it would cause a big impact on that area. If the problem was at Eurotunnel and you had lorries queuing out of the Junction 11A slip road, that's then a safety concern. So you've got everyone heading down the motorway and suddenly there's stationary lorries queuing, stationary tourists queuing as well. So you'd then have a safety issue. So that would have been in the impact if Brock hadn't been there. And now Operation Brock is, will it be completely removed? What's it, what's it going to be like? What can road users expect heading, heading down that way now? What are we going to see? Well, whilst the the actual traffic management of Brock, where the lorries are held on the coastbound carriageway, is removed, national highways are carrying out works on the central reserve, where ultimately the concrete barriers are going to be stored along that central reserve. So motorists, sadly, will see very little difference in that there will still be a 50 mile an hour speed limit between Junction 8 and 9, and there will still be two lanes of traffic. The big difference is that you won't have the concrete barrier as a contraflow on one side. So traffic will be in lane one and two going towards Maidstone and lane one and two going back towards Ashford um, with a 50 mile an hour speed limit.
A man claims he's found hundreds of errors in a parking company's records after receiving a fine in Dartford. Lawrence Carney visited Tower Retail Park a number of times on different days, but was registered as overstaying at the site. He found the company, Group Nexus, had wrongly recorded hundreds of drivers. The group says the case is now with the independent adjudicator. It looks like two new fast food takeaways will open on the edge of Canterbury next year. Developers have gained planning permission to build a Taco Bell off Sturry Road. There are also proposals for another fast food restaurant on the Windcheap Retail Park. Now, three-time Olympic gold medalist Adam Peaty has been giving swimming masterclasses to youngsters in Kent. His race clinic is touring the country with the latest stop being at a sports centre in Street. What do I enjoy the most? Uh, the feedback I get off the kids, the parents, the coaches. They all say it's something that's not been done in the country before. Because it's not just a swim clinic, we're trying to inspire these people uh, and these young people, the next generation of our country. So, you know, for me, if they come back even 1%, 10% better uh, in terms of the personality or the, the races they are, then, um, yeah, we've done our job. Sport is one of the most vital things we have in society. We learn discipline, we learn goal setting, we learn how to drive ourselves and work harder, we learn resilience. We learn all these things that we don't learn in normal society or in school. So sport for me is in just incredibly important, especially in a sense of keeping healthy um, and making sure that we can identify with our brains, we can have that communication, we can have that self-talk. You know? Well, I would say, firstly, it starts with the dream, it starts with the belief. Some of the kids these days are scared to dream that they can be the next Olympic champion or can be a world record holder. Um, so we're making sure that we can hopefully plant a seed and say, no, you know what, I can be an Olympic champion, I can be an Olympian, I can be the next, next best athlete. So this is what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve the belief aspect and uh, trying to push them in their, in their brains as far as we can. And just finally, um, what's next for you? What's next for me? World Short Course Championships in December. I'm going to get a really good training block, hopefully without illness, without injury. Uh, but really, as always, it's always about being happy, being content and uh, pushing forward and you know, making sure that next goal is something that I can demolish. And finally, you may have seen a viral video showing a traffic warden and police officer arguing outside a McDonald's in Maidstone. The short clip shows the two men rowing over a clamp on the police van's front wheel. It turns out it was actually a prank, though, with the traffic warden not actually belonging to the council. You can see the video over at Kent Online. Plus, whilst you're there, you can also subscribe to the ad-free premium version of Kent Online. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Instagram for all of the latest news from across Kent this weekend. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.